Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life podcast. As always, as we get started, if you wouldn't mind taking just a couple moments of your time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that goes a long way in helping others just like yourselves discover the Mosaic Life podcast. And of course, if you're not on the Apple platform, just like myself, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Stitcher, and my personal favorite, Pocket Casts. I want to get started by giving a few quick shout outs, first of which goes to my friend Christina, who has lent some invaluable feedback and is always willing to challenge me intellectually. I truly appreciate that. Um, also to Eka Tarina in Russia, and I apologize for that pronunciation, but she reached out on Instagram at Trey Kaufman to say she enjoys the podcast and is getting a lot from it. Um, that means a lot. So thank you. And uh, she too is a podcaster and I would share the name of her podcast. However, it's in Russian. Um, so I will put a link to it in the show notes uh, for those of you who are fluent. And last but not least, this week I posted on social media that I'm giving away a Mosaic Life podcast Breathe About It t-shirt, which if you hurry, you can still enter to win at Trey Kaufman on Instagram or the Mosaic Life podcast on Facebook. And I mentioned that because I had a Facebook friend, Mary, comment on the post saying I make it look easy. And I was curious what she meant, so I replied to her and she said I make my emotional well-being look easy which was a stark reminder to me about how I am presenting myself on social media. As I've had in so many conversations, it can be such a fine balance between toxic negativity and toxic positivity. The last thing I want to do is make it seem as if there is a magic formula for happiness or emotional intelligence or well-being. The reason I have these conversations is so we can all as individuals learn how to do better and explore what it means for each of us to be happy and be in control of our own mental health. So much of why I'm able to do this podcast and why I am happy so much of the time is because of my failures, it's because of my missteps and what they have taught me, which is a big theme of the conversation you're about to hear between my guest and myself. These shout outs were a great reminder that people do listen to this podcast and as a podcaster it can oftentimes be difficult to know who your audience is. And so knowing that this, this content affects people in a positive manner means a ton. And it is, it is the singular reason why I do this. So thank you all truly. My guest today is Jason Connolly, and I was so excited to have this conversation. Jason is the host of the Career Success Podcast, which I had the wonderful opportunity of being a guest on a few weeks ago. And I will put that link in the show notes if you'd like to listen to it. Accordingly, Jason is a massively successful business owner in London and a great reminder of how far-reaching podcasts are and can be. We discuss in-depth, obviously, business, but we really dig into work and leadership and how both of which can affect our mental health, which is deeply personal for Jason. As I mentioned, we really discuss failure head-on and how it's helped propel him forward in his own career. Jason is the founder and CEO of JMC Legal Recruitment, the UK's number one ranked legal recruitment agency. JMC is seen as the premium legal recruitment agency in the UK. Jason launched JMC in November of 2016 and has built it into a multi-million turnover business. Jason has won numerous awards for his business acumen. Jason is also an ex-police officer, and he served for a number of years in the Met Police. And prior to that, he was cabin crew for Virgin Atlantic. Jason went to one of the five worst comprehensive schools in England, and he left school at the age of 16 and performed magic for a number of years. This is where he first got his taste for business. Jason has performed all over the world, including in Las Vegas, where he opened a show for U.S. magician Jeff McBride. I always love gaining new perspectives of the world, and this episode with Jason was the perfect opportunity to do so. Please welcome my good friend from the other side of the world, Jason Connolly. You having a good week? I am having a good week. How's your week going? <laughs> yeah, good. 
busy but good. Um, I left work early today and came home for a little nap. I thought I'd earned it this week. <laughs> oh man, that sounds amazing. If I if I if I if I didn't work for myself from home, I would be completely jealous because there's nothing better than a, a midday nap on somebody. Well, I guess it's still your own time because you own the company, right? It is, but I thought I'd be kind to myself today and have a little bit of a siesta. So. Yes, I'm, well, I say siesta, I've been asleep for the last two and a half hours. But yes, I'm fresh. I'm, <laughs> I'm at my most fresh for you, Trey. That's good, man. I really appreciate it. Well, we are rolling. We're, we're going here. So welcome, oh, um, Jason. Thank you for good. doing this. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. First and foremost, I have to thank you for having me on uh, the Career Success Podcast. It's been really it's been really exciting promoting something other than the Mosaic Life podcast, and it, people have seemed oh. to really enjoy it. Yeah, we, it had um, over 10,000 um, impressions the last time I looked at your episodes on LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, it's, it's gone out far and wide, and it's had a lot of listens, I've been told. So it's doing well. And actually, I had a few messages from people who said they really enjoyed the episodes um, on LinkedIn. So... Yeah, it, it, um, I even had someone who said it was very, very uplifting. And he told me that he had a had had a spiritual awakening as well. So <laughs> it's definitely connected with some people, that's for sure. That's fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, <clears throat> you know, let's, uh, we, when we spoke on your podcast, we talked a little bit about social oh. media and we talked about, you know, how it can create toxicity, uh, especially when it comes to people being, I guess toxically optimistic or whatever you want to call it. But we, I think, I think we both have a different relationship with LinkedIn and we've talked a little bit about that. And I mean, you find a ton of success as you've said on that platform. What's that, what's that been like for you? What, what has that secret sauce been? I think it's, um, I, I think a lot of people use the platform in order to be quite vanilla and, um, they, they don't really say a lot. They they use it as a kind of testimonial um, place rather than somewhere to actually have a voice. And I think LinkedIn is a really unique um, platform. And I found that by, um, as well, I'm not really someone who's backwards in coming forwards, but um, a lot of the people I follow on there put things out that are really, sometimes they're on the line. Sometimes it's, you know, things that aren't acceptable in the world. Sometimes it's things that, you know, aren't always contrary to popular opinion. And right. I think my relationship with the platform has been one where, you know, I will use it to speak out about things that, you know, I'm not necessarily happy with, things that I think could be different in the business world. And I think actually having a voice um, is one of the most important things on there because um, a lot of people will just put stuff that's very, you know, it's great, okay, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fabulous to see someone's awards, testimonials, whatever. But if all you're using it for is this positive, um kind of you know endorsements of you all the time then that becomes boring and i think that where i've had a lot of traction is just by speaking my mind and that's only something that i've been able to feel that i can fully embrace since i've actually worked for myself i used to put stuff on there that was a bit um sometimes stepping on the line but i don't think that's always a bad thing um and i'd put stuff out and they'd say whoa 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 you've got to remove this this isn't right and i'd say well why why not what's wrong with it it's it's not it's not, you know, offensive. It's just right. a viewpoint and everyone has a viewpoint. And um, but people don't like that. People want, what a lot of brands do and a lot of people do is they try to be one place that appeals to absolutely everybody. And the, the thing is, you're never going to, if you try to appeal to everybody, in actual fact, I think you don't appeal to anyone because you've got to have a voice, you've got to have a brand, you've got to have an identity, you've got to have a target market. And I think this doesn't, you know, even with LinkedIn, it, it goes further and wider. I think that if you, uh, you know, know your demographic and we live in a world now where you can advertise and slim down to like, you know, not just the age, but absolutely right. anything. Um, and I, I think having a target market is really important as a side subject. But LinkedIn has been good for me. It's been somewhere where I, I don't, you know, like I said to you before, I don't use a lot of social media. I don't think it's conducive to good mental health. Um, I don't think it's, um, it, it's great for... Yeah, I use it. I don't use it a lot. I don't. I don't get fixated on it because I find that you know by focusing more on my own life and looking through the lenses of other people's lives, um, you know, I've, I've become happier. And um, yeah, that, that's my relationship with social media is one where I kind of keep it at arm's length. But I like LinkedIn. It's kind of the, the you know the right balance of 
it, right. it's work, but you can sort of put some personal stuff on there. But equally, you know, you're not looking at filtered images of people that aren't themselves. And, you know, I think the, the key to having a great um, LinkedIn brand is actually being you. But we, we're kind of almost encouraged through these filters, these apps, um, all, all these different things out there to to be a better version of ourselves and we're actually not. And I think actually being sincere and true to yourself is is kind of a recipe for success. But, you know, we're living in a world now where we, we all live through filters. Yeah, absolutely. I, I You said a lot there and I, I want to get into all of it, but especially mental health, because I know, I know that's important to you. But when it comes to LinkedIn, I think it's a really fine balance of being tactful and not you know, not sounding off in an echo chamber. I mean, I think these are, those are two different ends of a spectrum. You want to challenge people to do better for themselves. You want to say, Hey, consider my viewpoint. I'm not going to necessarily argue with it or put you down, argue with you about it or put you down because of the way you feel, but I want to have a conversation because if we don't have a conversation, we're not going to move forward. But at the same time, I do see on LinkedIn people spouting their own opinions and not wanting to hear the other side of things. And I think, I think you find that, you know, delicate balance. Balance and, and you do it well because you, you're uh, obviously you're not in America, uh, as you can tell from your uh, fantastic <laughs> accent. Um, but, um, but you know, here in America, you know, it's either Trump this or Trump that, or you know, pro guns or whatever. We've got a billion different things to argue about. But if we can have, if we can all sit down at the same table and listen to each other's side, uh -huh. different sides of things, and we can get an understanding, we don't have to agree with it. We don't have to say, that's that's my new way of life. Let's just hear everybody out. Let's hear how we can come together and do better. And I think you do that well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think if you're going to put out an opinion, then you've got to be able to hear other people's um, opinions as well. I think life is all about um, well building a successful company or, do, or doing whatever you do. It's about perspectives. And it's not about, you know, just you're going to have a perspective on something. But if you're unable to see someone else's perspective, right. then, um, you know, you're, you're, you're only looking through one um, viewpoint. And I, I think that's the kind of beauty of humans, the beauty of life, the beauty of um, people is we, we all we're, we're all from, cut from different cloths um, and we're all going to have different opinions and different viewpoints. Yes, some people are so absolutely um fixated that their viewpoint is right that might be with good reason you know i'm not to say so, i can't say someone's wrong but you know i think if the ability to actually listen to someone else and actually think hang on a minute let's look at life through their lens for a minute and see you know what it is that they, they're feeling but you know when i put stuff out on linkedin it's not an open invitation for endorsement i get a lot of people on there who say hey i don't agree with you Right. Um, and, you know, that's great. I love sparking the conversation and being the one that's initiated it. And, you know, I've, we've had some heated debates on there, but, you know, I think that's the beauty of the, <laughs> the, the, the platform. And, you know, I'm going to put out a viewpoint. I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking for endorsement, but, you know, to get the conversation going is a great thing. And to, to sometimes spark up that passion within people is, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, going back to your point on mental health, um, we, we've spoken a little <clears> bit on this, and I, I know it's extremely important to you. And I, I, yeah. I truly respect you for your decision uh, to okay. not uh, not engage in various forms of social media. I know I I, I tried to tag you on Instagram uh, when I was promoting our episode together, and I couldn't find you, which I, I respect highly. Um, and so. Did you? Is that a point that you came to, or you said enough is enough, or did you kind of see the writing on the wall over the last ten or fifteen years? Said, hey, this has a lot of potential to be extremely detrimental to our health and our well-being. And I know mental health goes way beyond, you know, the the confines of the internet, but that there it has such a profound effect as as we've mentioned before. Yeah, I think I think you bring up many points there. I think first of all on the point of um, social media, then I'll talk more generally about mental health, something I've had a lot of experience in, but um, quite personally. But I think we're, when it comes to social media, I think the, I, 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 sometimes I feel sorry for the generation of now because I think <laughs> that we live in a world more connected than ever. I, I was yeah. very fortunate that I was on the cusp of, I didn't have a mobile phone until I was 17 years old. And I still remember the day where I had to ring my friends in order to make a plan. And, you know, you'd have to ring up their mum quite awkwardly. Sorry, it's getting there, please. Um, and it, it would all be slightly awkward. But we learned the art of communication. Yeah. And we're all really connected now, but people hide behind messages. People hide behind, you, you know, you can't... Uh, and, you know, you live in this world where you kind of constantly feel rejection. 
if it's not rejection on social media because you, you're putting out a picture, people aren't liking it. Oh my God, people don't like me. I'm not being endorsed. Or you're putting out, um, you know, stuff on the internet where it's even it even goes as far as WhatsApp. Someone reading a message but not replying. That sense of rejection yes. that you feel. And we all do it. We all have those moments where we go, why is that person not replied to me? They've read it. What's going on? And, you know, you can overread into these things. And it's, I, I think that my choice to kind of come away from the social media world, it, it was one that was almost forced upon me because I was a police officer. I worked in a certain part of the police where um, social media wasn't allowed. Um, and I, I withdrew myself from that. But then I made a conscious decision. I went back onto the world of social media. I went on there and I thought, you know what, this isn't the world I want to be in. I do use it, but a very select, I use it for people that I kind of meet, like yourself, who live, um, you know, in different countries and people that I want to connect with. I, I have come to the opinion, but I have to be on it in yeah. order to, in some respects, uh, in order to connect with people, because otherwise I'm going to live, a, you know, if, if, I, if I turn myself off totally to the digital world, then I'm going to be sat in a house probably doing nothing. And you know, But I don't use it in, in a way that, I'll, I'll give you an example. We, we, I recently um, employed a young lady, and I just, I, I couldn't get away from the fact that she didn't last very long. Um, but I won't name names. And I, ju I just kind of looked at her, and she's hooked to this thing. It, yeah. It's like an addiction. You know, you don't, you, you're constantly scrolling. It's encouraging you to scroll to the top. And I just think that it's, it's something that. You know, it, it doesn't give everyone mental health issues, but I do think it's breeding a culture uh, uh, and a society of people kind of feeling withdrawn. And despite the fact we're all connected more than ever, I think actually society is more withdrawn. You know, the days of actually going into a bar and, you know, kind of uh, meeting someone, eyes glancing, locking, oh, yeah. you know, there's a bit of chemistry there. We're kind of going away from that. And, you know, being a single person myself, I, I don't like internet dating. Why don't I like internet dating? I don't feel that sense of connection with people over, you know, the internet. Hi, how are you? What are you doing? What do you do? And it kind of feels like a job interview. It kind of feels, oh, you know, a bit alien. But I think in regards to, you know, a lot of people are kind of getting complexes uh, sort of in their mind about uh, social media. But I, th I think people don't necessarily realise that, uh, you know, that they might have an issue with it because <laughs> we're, we're also we're also into using it now and it's 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 a massive part of um everyone's life it's um you, you know if you're not on it now you're almost looked at but you've got two heads oh what you're, you're not social media oh, that doesn't seem right yeah. um so i i think you know talking more generally about mental health um i i, I suffered from um you know and i don't make no corns about this from psychosis why was that it, it, it was um probably a build-up of running years and years and years and years and years to try and be successful because my my journey from success was not one of you know oh i'm going to start a business oh it's been really successful oh and it was all positive it was actually built from a place of real adversity um and a place of real struggle and it was almost the fear of failure was what drove me to success um and it was it, it's, it's kind of a weird thing when i say that to people, people think, what you, you built a business off the back of failure and and it, it was the fear of failing was was almost what what you know kind of pushed me to be really successful uh, in itself it was that fear of not achieving Absolutely. um was so kind of um prevalent but uh, you know i've had a lot of experience with mental health when i was in the police um i used to be uh, sort of attached to a mental health um institute do i think we're there with mental health do i think you know we are we in a world now where you know you ring up your employer saying you know i'm suffering from depression hey or, um, you know, I've got a broken arm. It, it, are we in a world now where an employer would kind of look at that with someone feel comfortable? No, I don't think we're there yet. I think we're a little way. I think we like to proclaim in the, in the world at the moment that we're there. We're, we're talking about it now. But, you know, I still think we have a very, very long way to go. And, you know, I think mental health is an absolute massive killer. Um, anxiety is very, very bad for you. Um, and I think we need to do more to talk about these things. And, you know, even to talk about psychosis, sometimes people, people don't know how to act. Oh, you know. It's, uh, you, you know, you sort of look at it at arm's length. And there's a lot, I think there's a general lack of understanding about mental health. And that, actually, if you look at the time that we're in now, anxiety couldn't be more, um, you know, people are suffering with mental health. We're, we're living in a world where, you know, we're not getting the same level of um, ice sort of um, interaction and people are struggling with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We are. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with what you said. I mean, we find ourselves in comparison mode whenever it's, on Instagram and you see somebody out in some beautiful environment, you know, on the beach 
just enjoying their life. Hey, why can't I be there? What What is wrong with me? Why Why do not Why do I not have the opportunity to be in Hawaii right now? Or why do I not have the opportunity to be with that beautiful woman or that beautiful man? Or what is wrong with me that I am not getting the same intention or the same number of likes on on my post that this person is? And that's so detrimental to our psyches and the way that we perceive ourselves and our self-image. And I think a lot, I think even to a certain degree, we get that on, on LinkedIn too. I don't think LinkedIn is without fault. You see people with these amazing careers and jobs, and while it may drive us to want to do better, and add to your very point, you know, the fear of failure is what pushed you so hard to find success. I think if we don't use that to our to our benefit, we can really find ourselves digging a hole that we that we crawl into and hide. I think that we talked briefly on your podcast about failure and reshaping it. And I think we're starting to have a conversation, uh, a more beneficial conversation within society to view failure as an opportunity to learn and grow as opposed to letting it get us down and you know, it being such a negative thing. It, if you're not doing something wrong, if you're not trying new things and failing, you're never going to become, you know, a better, whatever, a better lawyer, a better web designer, a better marketer, whatever you want to be, you need to try new things and be willing to fail at them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think failure is one of those things that has negative connotations. You failed, not good. Um, but actually, it's the failures. And I've had, if, if I had a book listed with every mistake I've made, it would be absolutely jam-packed. And, and that's probably just in the last two years alone. But it's the the failures that have made me successful yes. because um, it's the, you know, the mistakes I've made, I've learned from them. And it's, it's learning from those mistakes, which um, is what fuels success. No one is necessarily just absolutely, you, you don't just walk into the business world and everything is, if anyone tells you that, but everything goes well all the time and everything is absolutely successful and they are successful all the time. So they are lying. That is not true. Right. And it's, you know, no matter what you do, whether you're um, a um, someone in the creative space, you go to auditions, you fail, you don't get through. Uh, but it's not necessarily looked at in that way all the time in, in other sectors. But in business, you know, people, I, I think a lot of successful people don't necessarily talk enough about the failures. They'll talk about the successes because that's great PR. Right. Um, and and a lot of the press and things like that, they want to talk about the successes. They want to hear about that. But it's, it's actually the failures themselves, I believe, that, that define the success. And it's how you deal with those failures um, and how you process them. And, you know, are you someone that's able to get back up, dust yourself down when you've struggled and um, move forward? And and that's what I've done every time I've been knocked down. And my God, Trey, I've taken some blows, many, many blows. But every single time um, I maybe not straight away, I get back up. Um, but, you know, it's I, I do get up eventually. And other times in my life where I felt in the gutter. But, you know, what I've managed to do is turn over and face upwards yeah. from the gutter and then get back up and um, carry back on again. And, um, you know, I've got, it's a lot of resilience. Um, and, you know, that's what I, another thing on LinkedIn, which I'm not afraid to talk about, is is the failures, the failures you've had to go through in order to get to the success. And even when you, you know, people say to me now, how do you define success? What is success to you? What, what does that necessarily mean? And, um, you know, my pursuit of success is defined by happiness. And it's quite interesting in my podcast. I ask this question to everyone and everyone has a very different viewpoint on what success is. But when you ask someone who's looking up at someone who's a manager or a director or someone, they look at success just solely dictated a lot of the time by position, money, power. Right. And actually, it, it's not defined by those things at all. Um, well, for me personally, it, it's defined by being fulfilled and being happy. But the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of being fulfilled is one that's ever evolving. You you know, you've got to, life is all about, you know, a juggling act and making sure that you have a healthy balance of everything. Yeah. And that, that's conducive to good mental health. You've got to make sure you're going to balance. And, you know, one thing entrepreneurs and business owners are very guilty of is self-neglect. Lots of self-neglect in terms of um, looking after themselves, making sure they have downtime, making sure they get exercise. And all these things are very, very, very important. And, you know, I, I'm guilty of it myself. I work really long hours. And that's how I ended up with psychosis, <laughs> you know, massive mental health problem um, because of not looking after myself. So now I know that I have to get that that balance. And, you know, I'm very self-aware of how I'm sort of doing all the time. And I think it's by trying to do that, that you know, it allows me to keep moving forward on my journey and, you know, my learning experiences. Yeah. 
you know, you, a minute ago you talked some about something important. You talk about managers and and C-suite executives and all of that, and having a very different definition of success between you know yourself as an employee versus somebody on the management staff. And I and I wonder how to recon, reconcile that. You and I are both fortunate in the sense that we work for ourselves, and I I'm, I cannot be more thankful for that. But for anybody else who is a, is a frontline employer, whatever you want to call it, and they've got their definition of success is similar to yours to mine, and finding happiness and contentment and joy in the work that we do and fulfillment. But for the manager or, you know, the, the general manager, regional manager, whatever, you know, their idea of success is that being in the black, making profit, making big, big dollars. And so how do you reconcile their definition of success with your definition of success when they're a lot of times short-sighted in the sense that, you know, if, if you don't have an employee who works hard, then you're not going to be successful, but you're not going to have an employee who works hard if they're not going to be happy and fulfilled. Yeah, I, I think that I think that companies need to do more because companies are very success orientated. Makes sense, makes total sense. Success is conducive to that of money. It's conducive to that of turnover, and that's important. Um, but I think that I think companies need to do more to actually talk about failure because um, you know I, I think that if you don't talk about failure and it's not something that um, it, you know, people have an open platform to talk about the failures, talk about the things that haven't gone so right, then you don't move forward. Um, and people need to be comfortable with that. I, I've worked for big companies, big corporate companies, and I've worked for small companies. And I've kind of seen the pros and cons of both. Um, I, I now don't think I could ever work in a big company again. I'm not a big company type of guy. So, uh, I think that I have too much of a voice, um, which, <laughs> you know, put me in, try and fit me into a corporate box. And I, I sort of burst out like a jack in the box. It just doesn't seem to work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talking from my own experiences, uh, you know, I promote people in my business to talk about things. I think communication is key. And I think people need to feel comfortable that they can come and say when something's not going right. And it, I, I think that, I think companies, they spend, these big companies, they spend a hell of a lot of money on data, consultants, people, yeah. advisors, who are doing all of this kind of stuff but, and and reporting back to board level about data and trends. And then you get these people at the board who sit there and say, mm, mm, I'm not sure about this. Mm, not sure. And we don't want to make change. We don't want to, do, you know, uh, adjust things. Um, and and then the company doesn't move forward, and they say, invest all this money in in doing all of this research to a lot of the time not take action. But you know, if I was sitting um, on a big board, I would spend time at grassroots level yeah. at every department in the business because I think that everyone is important in a business. If you wasn't important in a business, you wouldn't have a job. And it doesn't matter what your job is, no matter where you are in a company, you are a valuable cog. Because if you aren't there and, you you know, yes, okay, yeah, might be lots of you at a certain level. But if that department doesn't exist, the company has a problem. And I think companies need to do more to recognize people who might be at the bottom. Because, it, you know, they're shining stars at the bottom. People come from different backgrounds, different worlds. And I started at the bottom. I left school. I was washing up dishes with a lovely Polish gentleman, learned a lot of Polish, um, didn't speak any English. That's where I started. Um, and uh, it's it, I've kind of built myself up from there. And in my company, I want people to talk about failures. I think it's by talking about the failures that you move forward, and I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you said something, and I, there may be a, a language difference here, but you said every employee is a valuable cog, I think you said. And, you know, he, he, the way I interpret that as, you know, an American is that when you say you've got a, there's a cog in the machine, it just, it, to me – that makes it sound like I'm replaceable. And I don't know if there's a, there's a difference in language there or if that was, or if that's just the way every employee. Okay. Let me ask it this way. Is every employee valuable or is every position valuable? And I think there's a difference because the position that's not going to go anywhere. The position needs to be held and you need somebody to be in that spot. And of course, you know, some people are going to be better qualified for that cog or that position. And I, I'm just curious, you know, what your thoughts are on that, you know, which, which is invaluable? Is it the position or the person, or is it a combination of the two? I think cog can have two negotiations. It can be used as a, yes, I am a cog in a machine making someone money. And 
you can, you know, there's a lot of people out there who unfortunately use people. They right. use human lives in order to make money. Um, and that's not, a, that, you know, I can never get my head around that. I think, but you, you know, you should treat people well. You should treat people nicely. And, you know, no one should be a, um, a human life there to service someone else and make them money. And, um, but I think that what the point I'm trying to get across is, is that a, a cog in a machine, if that cog wasn't there, that machine ain't working. Right. And I think that, I think it's a mixture of the two. I think that um, with people in the company in a position, the position needs filling and the job needs doing. However, how often do companies really listen to the person at that level and listen to their suggestions on how things could be done differently. The person is only valuable if you allow the person to have a voice. Right. And a lot of the time, is the person allowed to have a voice? If they have a voice, then maybe they can um, add value to the company. But a lot of companies will think, well, you know, that person's at the bottom. Well, hang on a minute, that department stops working and people are demotivated. Then all of a sudden, you've got a broken department and that cog isn't working and that that suddenly that that you know room isn't working well. And I think I, I see it a lot of the time in people's sales departments. The sales department is the engine room of any company. Yeah. And if you don't have a great sales, it doesn't matter how great your product is, your product could be the best product to have ever graced planet Earth. But if you can't get it to market, you have a problem. And I look at, you know, I look at sales assistants in shops, uh, to use this as an example. A lot of companies pay the sales assistant in shops minimum wage absolutely the bottom wage yeah. and i and they don't train those people properly how often have i been into an electrics store to buy something and the person doesn't have <laughs> an absolute clue what they're doing yeah um and then the company thinks well why is the high street struggling um well the reason the high street's struggling is because people aren't investing in the staff at the front line people now go to shops for an experience yeah. people don't go to shops now because it's the only place to buy something they go there for an experience it's a destination which is why you probably haven't heard of this shop in the UK. But John Lewis is a partnership. It's very unique in the way it works. Every single person in the company is a partner of the business. Then they do a profit share at the end of the year. So the person who um, you know cleans up still gets a share of the profits. The person on the board gets a share of the profits. The person who um, does the tills gets a share of the profits. And that company, when you walk in, you can tell there is a sense of pride. And I think it's, you know, when you look at the high street now and you look at, you know, how, how a lot of companies treat their people and then they wonder why they're going into administration. It's, you know, it, it, it makes perfect sense. But, you know, people at the top a lot of the time are greedy. If you're greedy and you don't give back and you, you know, all you care about is profit then um, you know, you're not going to get the best out of people and people aren't going to want to stay there. Your only valuable asset in a business really is your people. What you, when you strip it back, that's all that really matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really, I mean, to, to the point that you've been making, I really wish more company managers, owners would, would realize that because that I, I, I think, especially right now when we are seeing so many of these large corporations going out of business, shuttering the doors, even the small ones too, you can really get a sense of, you know, how management views their employees, how the, how management views the people on the lower tiers of the company. When you have big uh, executives and board members getting huge bonuses as these major corporations are going out of out of uh, out of business because of COVID, it, it's a it's a bad feeling. It's a bad feeling. At the same time, when you have all these small businesses with really really good owners and really really good employees, and there's just there's nothing that that can be done. It's just it's unfortunate seeing people get getting taken advantage of when we're in such a, a dire situation. Yeah, and uh, I think I, I have, I, I'm a big fan of small business in general, and I think small business is the powerhouse for, you know, really, well, it's the, the absolute backbone of the British economy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, the, there's a lot of corporations out there. I, I can't, I, I was very fortunate in one of the big companies I worked for was Virgin Atlantic, and I don't think that they could be any more of an example of a great company to right. work for and a great corporation. Were they perfect on all levels? No, they weren't. But you know what they did care about was their staff, and I, I think that I think that you know we're, we're living in a world now where you know there's there's these big companies, there's these big boards, and um, I my view on things is it, it it doesn't matter where you sit in a company, you should be valued. And you know I I look at these people now who uh, work in Amazon warehouses. 
who, you know, that every movement is tracked right. um, and they're on these time targets. And I just think, you know, what, what sort of a life, you know, it is that. And yes, there's a job to be done, but, you know, I, 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 I think automation, you know, I'm going off on a complete tangent <laughs> now, but um, I think that um, the world of automation that we live in now has, has, has great points, but, you know, people aren't robots, people are humans and they, they want to be treated as such. And, you know, I think that everybody, no matter what level you are in a company, should be treated nicely. And um, I could never, uh, I could, it's just not in my DNA um, to, you know, undervalue someone. I think everybody has a value. As I said, that's why you've got a job and people need to respect that. But I, I've never sat at a big corporate board. I don't think I would last very long in a big corporate board position because I think, that, well, maybe I would, maybe I'd add loads of value and be very eye-opening. I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not a yes man. I'm not someone who just nods and smiles. Right. If I don't agree with something and I have a view to share, I will, I will definitely share it. As you, as you should. Absolutely. I, I like that you bring up Virgin Atlantic. Um, on the outside, Sir Richard Branson just seems like an incredible human being who does a lot of good for not only his employees, but for the world. I mean, was that, was that truly a part of the company culture? Um, I know, I know a little bit about the story about how that company was founded, but I'm curious, you know, what it was like internally. I, well, I joined when I was 18 years old and, um, I, I remember I applied for the job. I was absolutely fascinated by that airline. I flew with them and I wanted to work for them. I thought yeah. the glamour of it, the way they looked, the pride of them wearing the uniform. And I remember being on a plane and I thought, oh boy. I want to work for that company. Yeah. And I sat down and I must have spent hours and hours and hours and hours filling out the application form, rereading it, getting my mum to check it, you know, do this. And then I got an interview. And I I just remember I must I was so nervous. And I remember sitting there, it was a group scenario, and uh, we were all sitting around in a circle. Everybody there was significantly older than me. They were going around the group, you know, what do you do? Well, I've worked for this, I've worked in banking for this many years, and this is what I do with this. All these different people who've got these, uh, you know, very extensive careers. And I sat there and I said, well, I do magic professionally. I work in a restaurant part-time. Yeah. This is what I do. Um, and that I, me and this uh, really nice lady who I became great friends with um, got the job. And I just remember um, walking in on day one and going through the training. And, and it molded me as a young person as well because – at the time, I, I was confident on, on a stage because I was a performer, um, and that's what I did. Um, I traveled all around the country, sometimes around the globe, doing um, performances when, from when I was about 15 to um, – well, I still carried on doing it through my virgin days. Um, but I just remember on my first day, I was sitting there on a checking desk at Heathrow, and a lady came up to me, and she said, so i got a question. Are, are you gay or straight? And I thought – on earth is this woman asking <laughs> how offensive is that right. and um i sort of answered it and she goes oh as i said well, she goes, oh don't worry love you'll put it just fine here then so, um so and <laughs> I, I and that was virgin was just so much fun do do I, you know, richard branson what he did do he, he's got a very his marketing is just fantastic yeah. everything about virgin is just great pr they are a pr machine um and I, i've met him a few times really nice guy um, you know, do, do I think that the company is was perfect? No, I think they still had issues, like right. any company does. Um, but what they did do is everybody had a sense of pride. They believed in the company. They believed that they, you know, were the best, and and that resonated every single level down with the company. Um, even if, and I remember, you know, even the people that would clean um, the Virgin Atlantic head office. They loved working there. Everyone loved working there, and everyone got the same benefits. Everyone got their seven free flights a year, tax-free, um, and we everyone got the same benefits. It was, you know, if you was a director, you got the same amount of flights as the as the cleaner did. That was the way it worked. Um, and could you travel in first class if you were a director? No, not unless you've been there three years. Um, so, and that was the same for everyone. And I think there was a sense of, um, you know, that it, it, things were equal. Um, things were, and, and that's why people liked working there. And and it was a great company because it wasn't just a company that um, promoted people based on competency-based frameworks and um, ticking box exercises and, um, you know, where, you know, it was a company where you were actually rewarded on merits. Yeah. Um, if you'd done a great job, you'd be rewarded. You'd be made a manager. Was there a process? Yes. But was it a tick box exercise and piles of paperwork in order to progress where actually you feel that 
you know, by the time you've got the promotion, you've kind of lost interest in the promotion anyway because you had to go through so many hoops in order right. to get there. And, you know, it's the same with my company. Do, do, do we have a framework? Yes, a basic framework. Um, what, why don't we have piles of paperwork in terms of promotion? Because uh, well, why? What, 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 why is that needed? We have guidance on what you need to do. But, you know, if you're doing a great job, you're going to be promoted. That, that's, that's how it works. But to answer your question, Virgin molded me at a really young age. Um, and I, I just remember walking through, you know, every destination in the U.S. Uh, that was a tourist hotspot my little bag you know feeling amazing i'm part of the virgin crew it was great um and it, it was fun it was just great 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 fun and the whole company the whole culture was fun and you know by having fun at work it brings the best out in people so many people you know don't you know fun should be on the top of the agenda yeah. i say that from someone who has an office with a bar and a disco ball in and <laughs> Um, we're actually increasing the amount of disco balls and increasing the size of the bar um, that, you know, that's, that's what we're doing in our next office. So I think work should be fun. And, you know, people who enjoy coming to work, you, you know, some people manage their companies by targets, by metrics, by right. beating people with the figures stick. And that's, that's not a way to bring the best out in people. You, you, people want to be led. They want to be motivated. And if you, if they feel that way, you don't need to force figures and metrics and KPIs down their throat because they want to do the job anyway. Um, but so many business leaders don't understand that, and it's absolutely notorious in the industry. I, I operate in the recruitment industry. People get, you know, beaten with figures all the time. They sit down every single morning, the sales managers, and they want to go through the targets, the metrics. What's your pledge for the day? Oh, you haven't reached your pledge for the day. Failure, not good. Um, and that's just not the way to work. Yes, we use metrics. Yes, we use targets. Yes, we use um, metrics, but we use metrics in a way to give people um, a level of knowledge, yeah. to give them a, a level of overview of what they're doing and what they need to do. We don't use figures in a way to uh, you know, make people feel bad about themselves. We, we use the metrics in order to get people to feel empowered. That, that's what people want. Yeah. That's so important. That's so incredibly important. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a sales position where you're expected to make X number of calls per day. And it, the, the, it wasn't about quality. It was never about quality. It was about quantity. And the, you know, it was a law of averages game. You know, if I make 52 calls today, then I should close, you know, 10%, whatever. It, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. It's always been about building relationships and having a strong foundation with the person I'm speaking with. So I can, I can have that longevity there. So, you know, if I need something in the future, I can come to them and they can come to me. And it's just, it's, it feels natural. Um, I, and I'm curious. Now, I, oh, no, I, I was going to say that I agree with you. I think that um, it, sales environments are absolute. You, you target someone, but you've got to make this many calls a day. All the person is thinking about is the volume. Right. All of a sudden, they, they forget about the, the, you know, what they're actually, what is the actual, um, you know, job? It's to make a sale. It's to, to do something great. The moment you start targeting people by quantity, quality disappears. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, that's what we do in our business. Yes, we have a call icon, which helps you to have an awareness of how many calls you've made. Right. But is that something that we use as a target metric? No, we use it as an awareness metric yeah. because it's not something that we use to come down on people because really the only thing we map, we care about is revenue. That's the only target we've got. If you, I would actually argue that if someone makes less calls in order to make the revenue, they're better at their job. And it's yeah. the same with when it comes to sending CVs. If you had to send 20 CVs to get an interview as a recruitment consultant, um, and then you get your colleague who sends two and has a two-to-one ratio – I'm suddenly looking at the guy that sent 20, thinking, hang on a minute, is he send, what's what's going on with the quality there? So I think companies need to look at metrics more cleverly. But, I, you know, I think the world is starting to wake up a bit to, you know, does the 1980s, 1990s sales approach of, you know, whacking up these metrics really? Well, I say that, but then I hear stories all the single time, uh, every single day of companies that are still operating like that. And I think that's why, you know, my business is, um, climbed and become so prosperous after three and a half years and we're the number one legal recruitment agency in the UK. Yeah. The, the reason for that is because we do things so differently. And and actually, has it been hard to shine out in a market of average and in the market of people that don't get trained properly? They get beaten with a bigger stick. And they, um, in actual fact, it's been, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's been the roller coaster ride and it's been extremely hard. However, um, it, it, in actual 
in actual terms of what we've achieved versus time spent operating, you know, we're outpacing companies 15 years our senior because, you know, we're doing things in the right way. We're focusing on quality. We're focusing on having fun. We're focusing on having a good time, enjoying what we do. Um, and, you know, not it's even things like wearing suits, you know, what, what suits all about? Wearing the same old pair of trousers that gets dry cleaned that smells <laughs> like mothballs. Um, but, you know, but no one likes wearing, they stick to you, they stick to the office right. chair, and then you have to wear a, a coat that you get dry cleaned and dry cleaned. Is, I don't know what dry cleaning is, it still smells. Um, and you, you have to wear a tie and then you feel restricted, you feel like you're being strangled. What, what You know, why are we still operating in this way? Why does a suit really matter? Oh, I, I, yeah, I am, I am with you 100%. I, I, I could not agree more. Um, I, I do, I, I do want to shift, uh, just a little bit and talk about culture because believe it or not, we're already 40 minutes into this thing. Uh, I am fascinated by how I'm fascinated by how other parts of the world work. And I'm also fascinated by how other parts of the world view how the United States works. And so I'm curious from your perspective, you know, having worked uh, for the police department in, um, and I, this is my ignorance, the UK, Britain, uh, whatever the proper term. London. London. Okay. Uh, you know, how, how that looks, you know, we obviously have our own problems here. A lot of it's come to light this year. Um, and so, you know, how, how have things been for you? And I don't know how far removed you are from having worked for the police department, but, you know, are there the same issues that we're seeing here in the U.S.? Just what's that been like? Um, my view of the police is I, I, I didn't have a great time in the police um, because I saw things which I wasn't comfortable with. I saw racism in the police. I saw prejudice in the police. I was bullied for being gay in the police. Yeah. I took them to an employment tribunal. Evidence was lost for learned bags and bags of evidence. And then I was paid paid off. Um, I had to sign an NDA, which, to be quite honest, I don't give a fuck about now. I'll just talk about it anyway. Um, and I was paid off basically silence money. Um, in order to be quiet, um, and now I don't want to be quiet. Um, so I, my view of the police is um, one where I, I think that we live in a democratic society in the UK. I think we try our best. Um, uh, I, I still think the police is a way to go. I think it's miles better than it probably was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I saw things that I wasn't comfortable with, and that's in the, in the Metropolitan Police in, in England. I, I wasn't comfortable with some of the things I saw. I wasn't happy being a robot. Um, without a voice. I saw things that I didn't feel were comfortable. I wasn't comfortable with procedure. I wasn't comfortable with some of the um, instances I saw. And I, 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 unfortunately, I couldn't be quiet about that because I thought, well, I'm a police officer. I'm meant to be doing the morally right thing. Right. And um, I, I stood up against that. And um, then my life was made an absolute living hell. Um, so I've not had a great relationship with the police um for full stop to be honest with you yeah. um but you know i think that there's, there's don't get me wrong there's great people out there there's people who risk their lives every single day um in order to protect the, the you know the people of this country they do a fantastic job i'm you know my experience was based on a few couple of bad apples um and you know not every person is like that they're great there's great people out there i think that you know there's there's obviously been um you know many things going on in the world um, I think the whole um, George Floyd thing in the US that's been very much in our media over here. Yeah. There's been protests all across the country. It's been something that's been a worldwide issue. I think it's. I think it needed to be brought up. I think that you know there was a, the the demise of an Edward um, Colston statue in Bristol, which he was a slave trader, um, and he he bought. I, I I don't know the full history of him because I I haven't read into it, but I know that he brought a lot of wealth to Bristol. He really done a lot of good for Bristol, but. He basically made his money off selling slaves. Um, and his, and believe it or not, many, many, many um, um, cultural venues are named after him. Many streets are named after him. We have streets in Bristol called Black Ladies Road um, and all things like that. And um, Bristol was notorious where I lived for, um, you know, the trafficking of slaves um, and um, things like that. And that's all come to, kind of come to a head this summer. I think, you know, to answer your question about, you know, my view of the U.S., uh, I've spent a lot of time in the U.S. and I, I, I really like the U.S. and I've had many, 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 many great experiences. And I was, it was a great shame I was meant to come over to the U.S. many times this year, um, which hasn't happened. Um, right. Right. I, I think that I think that your politics definitely occupies um, our media. Uh, we, we, some, we seem to feed off the back of um, the U.S. and our news does feature on the U.S. I think 
Um, you know, I, I think politics is something we could probably talk about for three hours in the US. Right. I, I think that, you know, I'm not a particular fan of Trump. Um, I think that he is, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I can use him anyway to describe <laughs> Trump. Um, however, I do think that he has done a few great things. And I yeah. think he has stood up to China. I think that needed to be done. Yeah. I think it's, you know, we, we're living in a world now where all of a sudden people are waking up to the human rights uh, wreckages of China what China are doing in the world. And, um, but, you know, there again, how have China made their money? They've made it by exploiting people. They've made it by using people in, in sweatshops and slaves. That's how they've become a superpower. But now all of a sudden it's a problem. That problem has been there for decades. That's how they've become where they are. Um, but, you know, even I was going to put this to talk about China in particular. I was going to put something out on LinkedIn the other day, which was um, anti-China about the geopolitics of uh, the Muslims, what's going on there. And um, I, I thought about this um, post, and I never, I never sort of overthink a post, but I sat there for an hour thinking, hmm, this post is 100% accurate, it's correct, nothing I'm saying in this post is unfactual, however, loads of my law firm clients are, and this is why I can't talk about this on, the, on my podcast necessarily, because it's very legal, um, and you know, I still have a voice, but uh, I'm not um, silly enough to realise that loads and loads and loads and loads of my clients... Um, their clients are Chinese, yeah. and that's we have a lot of money. That uh, you know, the Chinese, they're investing in the UK. You know, loads of our schools and education um, is owned by China. Loads of our infrastructure is owned by China. We've been using Chinese money for many, 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 many years, um, and um, all of a sudden now, um, you know, we're in a bit of a situation where we we suddenly, you know, the Chinese are controlling vast amounts of our um, infrastructure. I don't know how I've started about China. I think it's related to Trump. <laughs> how do we view the US? Yeah, yeah. I think we view the US in a positive way, but I think things always seem quite extreme in the US um, to, to people over here. It, it's like we go about things in one way and the US goes about it in another. And I think the way that the pandemic, you know, you even look at the pandemic and, and you know, people's rights to not wear a face mask and um, you know, people are very much about their rights, their um, their kind of um, constitutional rights in the U.S. And uh, you know, to, to, it seems like to an extreme. Yeah, you know, everything you just said—it's a great reminder. Obviously, like you just said, you know, everything everything that happens here in the U.S. It, it gets it gets put up on the big screen for the entire world to see. But it's a good reminder to know that we aren't alone in our problems. You know, when you talk about systemic racism, when you talk about issues within the, within the police departments, that this is not, you know, U.S. centric. This is a problem that, you know, countries worldwide have. And it's an it's a, it's an issue that we have to address on a worldwide level, whether that's for black people or for uh, people in China who are enslaved by, by their government or just anybody who is suffering at the hand of somebody else. It's we need to have a conversation on how we can change that. And that's just what you said was just a great reminder that we, we, you know, we, as a, as a country, we, as a world, we're not alone. We, we're not. And I, I think, I, I, you know, I think the, the, the great thing about, I think you need a strong president in the U S because yeah. the U S really does um, lead the free world. And, uh, and it's a real big reminder of that. And so I, I think that, you know, it, you need a strong leader there because there, there's a lot of things that, you know, aren't right in the world. Right. Um, the way that, you know, uh, gay people are treated in Russia, the way that people are treated in China, the way that, um, you know, North Korea behaves. I think all of these issues need, need a really strong leader in, in the U.S. And, um, you know, I really hope that, you know, the next kind of four years in the term of the next president is going to really is really going to do that. I do. You know, I do have my doubts. Um, but, you know, I. I don't want to like Trump. I really don't. Um, I, but, you know, I can't help Bill, but, you know, he, he stood up. <laughs> there's there's a mountain. If I had to, if I had scales of the balance of good versus bad, I, I'm sure they'd be swaying much heavily more towards um, things that I don't like. Right. But, you know, I, th I think being a strong president and, you know, I, I don't think Barack Obama was that. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel that what Trump did do was he kicked people into line. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that needs to happen. But, you know, I think the world is the world is a place now where, you know, I think we're doing uh, five years of evolution in five months. Um, people are waking up to the things that aren't right. And conversations do need to be had, but it's not just about talking about it. Action needs to be taken. 
I agree with you. I, I, I could not agree more. And that, you know, that's, that starts, that always, it starts now. It's not something that starts next year when a new president takes, you know, takes control of the government. It's, it starts now with us and how we want to view the world and how we want to, to choose to do better as individuals. So I, I, I agree wholly. Well, Jason, I, I really appreciate everything, all of the insights you've lended and, and I, I or lent, and I, I do, I am curious, a couple last questions. What are, what is it you're working on now? What are you trying to grow? Obviously, you've got your business, you've got your podcast, the Career Success Podcast. What are some of the other things that you're working on? At the moment, I am well, I'm working on getting our business to become the world's number one legal recruitment agency, something I'm very passionate about, something that I feel that you know, the law is something that I really like. Um, and, you know, I've met some fantastic lawyers. And what I'm trying to do is take the JMC brand, which is doing incredibly well to the next level. We're trying to find, I'm trying to find more great people who've got untapped potential, people who've really got talent in life and give them a platform to shine. That still remains my number one objective. Um, what I'm working on at the moment is giving us a larger um, office where we're moving. We're going to be um, opening up other offices in the UK and then we're going to turn our attention to the globe um, and start opening up other offices internationally. We're already doing a fair amount of work in New York. We're doing a fair amount of work in other um, uh, places in the um, in Europe, but we, we want to, we're, we're taking our time. I think that, you know, uh, great things shouldn't be rushed and, you know, I, I think that a lot of companies Go, 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 do that. Quality flies out the window. So what we're doing is we're taking our time to find the right people to get the right results for the clients. And, um, you know, the client is, our, you know, our priority. So, you know, that's that's the number one goal. So, you know, for me personally, I'm loving doing the podcasts. Um, and, you know, I've, I've met some, I think, you know, on a closing note, um, running a company, especially being at the top, can be, it can be a lonely experience. You know, you, you're, a lot of the time you don't necessarily have people to go to. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't come from a background where I knew any business owners when I started my business. So, you know, these podcasts to me have been, you know, highly refreshing. It's been great to meet, um, you know, some people who have really made an impact and an impression in what they've said in my life. Um, you know, and I feel very blessed in a position where, you know, I can be paid in order to make some of this uh, material. So oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. And I think that, you know, that that's what it's all about. You've got to enjoy, you've got to love what you do. That's great. So you and I met through Laura DiBenedetto. I don't, I don't know if we established how you and Laura met. How did, how did that happen? Laura appeared on my podcast, and she's one of the most amazing ladies she I've is. ever met. Um, she She's not afraid to say what she thinks, and, and you know she keeps my attention, and sometimes I can trail off, but I, I am absolutely hooked on every word that she's, she's got to say, and I think her book is absolutely amazing. She appeared on my podcast, and you know, I even find myself sometimes listening back to that episode because, you know, what she said comes from a real place of, you know, life experience yeah. and a real place of, um, you know, her having been there, done there, worn the T-shirt, you know. And then she, what she says is with real sincerity and, you know, her heart is in the right place. So, you know, I, I would highly endorse her book. I've read it. I think it's great. The Six Habits. And, you know, I'm glad it's Laura has put us in touch. Me too. And for anybody who is not aware of Laura DiBenedetto, uh, she was on this podcast uh, a few episodes ago. And just recently, she just uh, did her TEDx talk. And I, I will embed that uh, in uh, on, on the website as well. As, uh, and it was it was, it was was a phenomenal talk. And it really gives you kind of a, a breakdown and a primer on uh, her book, The Six Habits. So I would highly encourage it. Um, so Jason, for you, as you continue to take over the world, and by the way, when next time you come to the U.S., just you know, if you happen to stop by Columbus, Ohio, let's 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 get together. It'd be great to meet you in person. Um, Absolutely. What resources do you need? Let's just let's just say there's somebody out in the world listening to this, and they can they they resonate with your message, and they can help you grow. What what is it that would help you grow at this point in time? Um, for me, it, it's all about meeting people that. Um, sincere people that are good people wholehearted people that um you know re really believe that they want to do better in the world and for me you know my my door and my my life is always open to those people and it's it's not just about business business is personal personal is business right. it's about meeting great people in whatever capacity they come in um you know i'm not here to to plug my business i'm not here to <laughs> um, sell my business um, you know, what I'm here to do is, is to be me, talk about me. And if you're someone out there that, um, you know, likes what I've got to say and, you know, you want to connect, then do get in touch because I'd love to hear from you. 
That's great. And, you know, I, I as I do this more and more, I, I realize the happiest people are the ones who love building relationships for the sake of the relationship, not wanting other things out of people. I, I, I'm, I'm, you may have noticed that, but it's, it's, it's really, really valuable. It is, and I think if, if you're if you if you're looking at things, if if you're trying to have a secret agenda of your networking for the sake of driving business and whatever, you actually miss opportunity in life. Yeah. Um, if you're so fixated on the pound or the dollar signs, um, you actually miss opportunity. And and I've seen this in salespeople that I've worked with before. You get fixated on the pound, you miss an opportunity. Just focus on doing a good job. Focus on making meaningful connections. And you know the money and the business it takes care of itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last question for you. This is my favorite question. And I, 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 I always say this, I use it as a cheat code because I am a, a big reader. I, I love reading. I love books. And so I have come to realize that, you know, the best way for me to learn aside from talking with other people like yourself is to read really incredible books. And so I'm always curious to ask what, if any book has had the most profound impact on your life, uh, f hopefully for the better. And you know, what, what book is that? And, and why would you say that, that, uh, it impacted your life? Um, I'm, I am much more of an audio book person than a reader. I think if I, if I try to read a book, it takes me forever to actually finish it. And it looks like the dogs chewed it up about 10 million <laughs> times by the time I finished it. Um, but I, I think for me that there's two books. One was, um, sales wise, um, was the Richard Denny, how to sell book, great book, great sales guy, um, really sincere. And, uh, that, that had a massive impact on my career and on my life. Um, because it was just, it, it was a great, really honest account of how to sell. I think in terms of a personal book and it, and this book is so probably overplugged, but I really like the secret by Robert Berg. I believe in the law of attraction. I think what you put out is what you get back. Yes. It's a bit corny, um, and, um, you know, it's, it's being kind of milked to death and, um, whatever, but I think the spirit of it remains true. It, you know, success brings success, positive brings positive. And, you know, what you put out to the universe is what you get back. And I remember reading that as a young 18 year old, um, we, uh, in, when I worked for Virgin and, you know, by practicing the law of gratitude, um, and the law of attraction, I, I think you bring what you put out. You know what? I, I've never given that book a chance because like you said, it, it has been just played out. I mean, everybody uses it as this secret weapon or the mm. secret tool to, you know, get whatever you want in life. But the way you described it and the, the way to have positivity to know what it is you're looking for in life, that that's extremely important. So I, I will give it a chance because I, I have heard other people <laughs> compliment it. The message of it is, yes. it is corny, but yeah. it, it actually the, the, the actually underlying message of it couldn't be truer and you see this you know you see those people you know just on a closing note you see those people in life who are very negative they they yeah. put out things opportunity never comes my way oh things are never <laughs> happening for me this isn't going right and and then what they bring is nothing and then you see those real optimists in life who put out that they, they, you know they, they give everything a chance they the amount of times i've seen people turn opportunity down and not even realize that opportunities arrived at their door and they turned it away because they, they, they got this kind of like tunnel vision. Yeah. And, and it happens to me. Sometimes I ring people up. They don't even know who I am. I'm ringing them up. Hi, it's Jason. Oh, I'm not interested in sales. <laughs> okay. I was just about to call you with the opportunity of a lifetime. Actually, right. you've just closed the door. On me. And, and people don't realize that. And I think you've got to be open. And I think the underlying message of the book is one of, you know, you put out what you get back and if you put out, yeah, uh, you know, and you're on a certain frequency, um, you, you're going to get opportunity. So I think the message of the book is true. Yes, it is corny, but give it a chance. I will. I will. I absolutely <laughs> will. I appreciate that. Um, so if people want to reach out to you, I know you're a little bit difficult to find on social media, but what is the best way to connect with you uh, to to reach out and say, hey? The best way to uh, find me is I am on Instagram, um, Jason Connolly, JMC. Um, I use it mainly for work, but I'm on LinkedIn. Look me up, Jason Connolly, spell C-O-N-N-O-Y, C-O-N-N-O-Y. Um, or you can send me an email. Um, always delight to hear from people. Email address is jason at jmc-legal.com. That's jason at jmc-legal.com. Perfect. And I will put all of, those all of those links in the show notes so everybody can find them. Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you again. Um, I think this is something that we should do uh, on, the regular, uh, on a regular basis. I, it's, it's really awesome talking with you and getting your perspective and just hearing your accent because it's absolutely fantastic.
same to you and i agree we must do this again perfect well jason thank you again and uh talk to you soon thanks very much see you later one more time i would like to extend a huge huge thank you to jason for joining me on the podcast i love hearing people's experiences from all over the world. And this was a great opportunity for me to gain a new and unique perspective. So again, Jason, thank you. If you would like to connect with Jason, please check out his website, jmc-legal.com. And also I would highly encourage you to connect with him on LinkedIn. He provides great content and is just a great person to know. You can find all of those links in the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com. I'd like to thank you all again so incredibly much for spending your time with me. I truly appreciate it and I appreciate you. If you would like more Mosaic Life podcast content, please follow me on Instagram at Trey Kaufman. You can also find the Mosaic Life podcast on Facebook. Just search for the Mosaic Life podcast. And if you found value in this conversation or any other conversation, it would mean so incredibly much if you would take just a couple moments of your time to subscribe on your favorite podcast player or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you all again so, so much. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.